What's up, everybody? This is Alexis, and you're listening to another episode of the Power to Be Show. On our show, we are showing people every week the impact of recognizing how God impacts every aspect of your life. Dive in each week as Dr. Bird, who was both a pastor and professor, chats with various entrepreneurs and leaders in the community. This week, we have Mark Parks. He is the president of Prevere, Inc. Mr. Parks is also a CPA and MBA, as well as the best-selling author of The Gift, The Essential Guide to Money and Investments for Women. I think I need to grab a copy of this book. And before I turn it over to the host, in addition to subscribing to our YouTube channel, consider being a sponsor or a donor of the show. We all have the power to be. Now here is our host, Dr. Terrell Bird. Welcome to another episode of the Power to Be Show. Be creative, be connected, and be courageous. Worship does not stop on Sunday. Thank you, Alexis, for introducing our guest and me for the show today. We are just delighted to have with us our guest. He is Mark Parks. He is the founding CEO of a company called Prevere, which is, I, I believe it deals with uh, CFO, the, uh, he is a financial expert. So I'm going to let him talk a little bit about who he is and what he does. First of all, welcome to the show. Thank you, uh, Dr. Bird. Uh, I appreciate being here and looking forward to having a conversation. Well, well, it's good to, to have you here. And I started to give all those acronyms about <laughs> what you are doing. I know for sure that you are very much involved in franchising, but your background has to do with your MBA and uh, your, your uh, financial training. And so I want you to talk a little bit about where you're from. If you don't mind, tell me something about where you're from. I, I know a little bit because we've had a little bit of a conversation, but talk, talk a little bit about where you're from. So I'm from a, a suburb called East Cleveland, Ohio. Okay. And East Cleveland is a suburb of Cleveland. Mm -hmm. When I grew up, East Cleveland was a solid blue, blue collar community. Okay. But due to circumstances that happened back in the time uh block busing and that type of thing it is now one of the poorest communities in the country wow however growing up there we had a very strong upbringing and a very strong community mm -hmm. which sent me to a local university it's called baldwin wallace university yeah, yeah which is probably 20 miles outside of cleveland yeah where i went to school to become a an engineer all right so i started off as a physics major yeah and after one quarter of college chemistry, that changed. <laughs> well, okay. Baldwin Wallace, I've heard of that. But in fact, my my, my, uh, my brother-in-law actually played football for Baldwin Wallace there for a little while. Oh, yeah, wow. Yeah, okay. yeah, yeah. So, so, you, so, so, so chemistry uh, changed your outlook on what you wanted to do. Okay. Right. So we, again, went to uh, 
an urban school. And once I arrived at Baldwin-Wallace, our chemistry was not competitive with what some of the other students had had. So I switched my major. And quite honestly, I didn't feel like that is what I really wanted to do. Mm -hmm. But at that time, they were really pushing engineering for uh, students like myself. Mm -hmm. But I changed my major to business administration and political science with the uh, goal of being pre-law. But eventually, people guided me toward uh, becoming a CPA because I had a lot of interest in uh, mergers and acquisitions and people told me I could do that from the financial side. So I came out of Baldwin-Wallace. I spent a lot of time in banking and eventually went back to school and became a CPA because in banking, I worked with a guy who was the controller and he controlled a whole division. He looked at the whole business and kind of directed it. And and I liked that. And I liked the title controller. Okay. So I, (laughs) so I I went back to school and took some additional accounting courses, became a CPA. And for, you know, maybe the last 20 years, I've pretty much been a CFO of organizations, chief financial officer. Sure. Most recently, I was the chief financial officer of the city of West Palm Beach. Okay. But prior to that, I was CFO of Cuyahoga County, which is where Cleveland is. Right. Huge. That's very, very big. Let me kind of go back a little bit, though, uh, Mark. Um, I'm always curious as to what uh, sparked your interest into that area, area particularly the the financial area, um, was it where you come from? Was there somebody that inspired you to say this is this would be a good direction to go in? Oddly enough, growing up, I didn't know any CPAs. Okay, but. I was always the guy who ended up being a treasurer. Okay. Even as a child, my mother was in a bowling league and uh-huh. I was counting the change. Wow. And math was just something I loved because wow. it's so finite. You okay. know, you know mm-hmm. the answer. Oh, okay. You do your math problems, you do the reciprocal, you know it's right. Yeah. That worked for me. I love that. So uh, yeah. the, the love of math, I the, think, okay. took me in that good. direction. Good, good, good. Well, that's great. Uh, you, I guess you just, you have that look about you. <laughs> It's the glasses and no hair. Right. He he can handle the money. Let him handle the money. Uh, So so your first kind of experience, you say you you worked in Cuyahoga County. and were you banking was the first uh, that I, you, I started out in banking and and you know my wife we actually yes. met there okay and uh that's uh I started off in banking and worked there probably 10 years and then went back to school to become a CPA wow wow yeah. I my wife was in the banking also so I guess it's something <laughs> about wives and banking <laughs> for us that is right uh so you said so you you uh actually were working there and then you decided to to go back to school complete your um, your M, your your uh, master's degree in, in business administration. Right? Well, actually, I did not get a master's at that Just point. took additional courses because in order to sit for the exam, mm-hmm. you had to be a CPA. Okay. I'm sorry, you had to have certain number of courses, which I didn't because I wasn't an accounting major. Okay. So I went okay. back for about two years and took those classes. I decided not to go for a master's because I could take the same classes for a much lower amount uh-huh. as an undergraduate. <laughs> gotcha, gotcha. But eventually I did. I went back to get my master's 
some years after I became a CPA because I wanted to teach at the collegiate level. Yeah. You had to have a master. Sure. That's why I did. Yeah, yeah. Well, well, okay, so uh, so you are now married, and what brought you to Florida? Uh, other than <laughs> the, the weather, I don't know. <laughs> I mean, I'm from Ohio also, right. so I can appreciate <laughs> Uh, the warmer weather. But what brought you to, to, to Florida? Well, it's, it's kind of funny because it, again, was my wife who every year it was snow and she would say, <laughs> I'm not happy with this snow. I don't like it. It's too cold. Yeah. And she grew up in Cleveland, by the way. And okay. I would say, dear, every year it's yeah. going to snow. It's always <laughs> snow. That's, that's kind of the nature of that, of that area. Yeah. So we got to a point where our children were grown and I worked in the government and the county executive had just changed. Okay. So in governmental positions, especially at the highest levels, when the administration changed, there's always the potential that you may be eliminated. Yeah, yeah. So before the guy took office, I said, well, I told my wife, I said, I'm going to send out a couple of resumes. Mm -hmm. So when the new guy comes in, in office, I'll be able to present him with, you know, I have a couple of other opportunities. Just want to know which way you're going. Yeah. So I, I sent out three resumes, one to West Palm Beach, one somewhere in California and never really want to go to California. And <laughs> then the other was in uh, Atlanta and that job never got filled. But West Palm Beach reached out to me okay. and the whole motivation behind it was the warmer weather to okay. get here. Yeah. But, you yeah. know, I got a great opportunity and, came on down. Sure, sure. And and the school benefited. Your wife is in the business department there, a school. So good, good. Now, uh, the other thing is, is this uh, franchising. Talk to me a little bit about your interest in franchising. I know this, this show has some roots in faith, right? Mm -hmm. The way this happened is it really just hit me recently, but it was probably last year, right around this time, I was restructuring my life. So I had left the city and I started my dream of this boutique consulting firm. Okay. Quickly, I went from three clients to, you know, pretty quick growth. Yeah. And the whole concept of being boutique was to give outstanding service. So I did not want to be overwhelmed. So I started thinking about this business where I would have service providers on one side who could do some of the accounting work. Mm -hmm. And then you have clients on the other side. And I'm in the middle kind of managing that because quite honestly, I've done that for many years. Okay. Because in Ohio, I had a large base of clients okay. and people still would reach out to me, but I had a job. So I would just say we could do it. I would have uh person who I would contract the work with, I would review it, pass it on to the client with a slight upcharge and okay. uh, do it that way. So that was what I had written out in this business plan. But then I said, you know, that's a lot of work and I really need to make some money. So I reached out to John Hayes, mm -hmm. who is okay. well known across the world as the franchise guru. Yeah, right. right. Yeah. So I said, John, do you know of a franchise that may be able to help me do what I'm trying to do? Mm-hmm. And he gave me two or three names. And Prevere was the company 
that stuck out. One, because the one that was very similar to Prevere was very mature. So they already had like 700 franchises all throughout the world. Okay. Whereas Prevere was somewhat an upstart. And the, the real, the real selling point was it was Ray Titus and UFG, which is right here in West yeah, Palm beach. Yeah, yeah. So, I went and That's talked kind to of the Sinorama guy. Sinorama. And a lot of and other yeah. franchises. Yeah. 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 Uh, so, yeah, he's got like 1,300 franchisees. Wow. Yeah. And so it was nice to have that presence right here mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and almost like a family environment. So that's mm. that's why I chose That's great, here. yeah. Yeah, so the faith, we do uh, emphasize the importance of how we integrate our faith in the work we do. And also, this idea is mostly based upon understanding where God is in the midst of our work. Where mm-hmm. is God in the midst of work? And, you know, my, my, I often say that, you know, worship doesn't stop on Sunday. That, you know, what about Monday? What about Tuesday? And we spend more time on our jobs than we do in, in worship in the church. So, so it's always uh, important, I think, and it's in, interesting to me to talk to people and to, to, to ask them, where is God in the midst of the work you do? So I, I since I said that, I'll ask you that question. Uh, so I, uh, I brought up faith, but didn't get into okay. why that was important. Mm-hmm. After being a franchisee mm-hmm. in Prevere for about six months, I got a call from UFG and they want to have a status update, which was not abnormal because of them being here and me being right in West Palm Beach. USG. UFG, United Franchise Group. United Franchise Group. Yeah, that's uh, Mm -hmm. Ray Titus. Ray Titus, yeah. uh So I went to the office and the president, Ray Titus, is in the room, which is not that normal. Okay. So Ray says to me, so Mark, you've been doing very well with this franchise. So were you thinking that you just want to have one franchise and be successful or would you like to have recurring revenue coming in and have operations all across the country and that type of thing? And he set me up, right? So, <laughs> yeah, well, so how do you, what are you going to say? Yeah, right? say? Well, I said, you know, Ray, um, I already bought the rights to open up another franchise in Ohio. So yes, I would like to have more than one location and certainly recurring revenue is attractive to me. Mm-hmm. Wow. He puts on the table that he wants to sell the Prevere franchise, the whole brand, which included nine franchises in four different states. Wow. Right. And this, this is me going, <laughs> yeah, what? Yeah. You know, <laughs> so, and he said, I'll make it very attractive to you. I mean, he explained why because he has bigger brands. Like there's one called Venture X, which is like a workspace company he said mm-hmm. on that deal i make a million dollars if i sell one of those so this wow. brand is not that brand so my yeah. board is asking me to do something different and he said but you've done very well and we thought that you might be a good person to own it so at this point i'm thinking really <laughs> <laughs> and i'm like right. am i being punked on the ground for the cameras what's going on so After he put the deal on the table, Mm -hmm. all the specifics, I go home and read through all these legal documents, and it gets to the point where I need to make a decision. And it hit me. The business that I had planned Mm -hmm. 
providers over here, clients over here, me in the middle. This was it. That's it. <laughs> Matured. It was already built. Right. I said, yeah. that's God. I yeah. mean, he gave me exactly what I wanted. Yeah. So that's yeah. where the faith came okay. in. Okay. Okay. And, and and what you had already been doing. So it was not like a, a new learning track that you had to go on because exactly. you've already been doing this. Wow. That's amazing. And this is this has been going now for since you said you began this uh how long ago? I began as a franchisee in January wow. 22. So this is the deal just inked July okay of 22 which is about 60 70 days ago. Wow. And since then we I just got a notice we're about to sell the country of France. <laughs> yeah. They already made the deposit. I mean, <laughs> wow, that is amazing. What a story. Wow, wow. Well, I am first of all congratulations Thank you. on the success of the business. Let me ask you what might be some of as you kind of are getting new into this, but even though you have experience doing what you do, what are some of the challenges that you face uh, trying to do, get this thing going and get it off the ground? What For you, what has been some of the challenges that you've had? Well, for me, I, I'm a planner. Okay. So typically, I'm like a chess game. I have like the next 10 moves. Okay. I've kind of looked at the board and I know, yeah, sure. you know, the yeah. options in which way I want to go. Because the way this deal came across, and it was it was a great deal, I wasn't necessarily prepared to take on an organization of that size. Okay. So one of the challenges was to put together an organization okay. that could run that could run it. And like I mentioned, we're we're moving to France, right? You know, yeah, from a yeah. business standpoint, yeah. And you really have to have international uh, attorneys and okay. finance people. Mm -hmm. So I had to put together the structure. So what Prevere does is sourcing. A business advisor had recommended to people years ago that when you start your organization, even if it's just you, that you should put together that organization as to how you think it should look. Okay. So I did that upon, you know, buying this new franchise. Mm -hmm where I put myself, well, of course, I put the customers at top, and that's from my governmental training, customers at top, myself, CEO, and then I mapped out the other the offices, CFO, the CIO, which is the computer guy, HR, mm -hmm. okay. all of all the departments. The, okay. We even have a director of uh, wellness in the okay. organization. So I mapped out the organization, and I found the appropriate people, but for some of them, I put in some of our outsourced resources. So our okay. CFO will be outsourced. Our IT is outsourced. So that was the challenge to bring that team to bring together. The team together. And so you're contracting all of these outsourced people. They're they're just contracted for a specific job, right? Exactly. Okay. Exactly. Mm -hmm. And they're very well vetted. So I have an IT issue, which is critical when you mm -hmm. have an organization like this. Mm -hmm. I just call them, shoot them an email, boom, it's taken care wow, of. You wow, know? wow. Yeah, yeah. I, could, I could see how that could be somewhat of a challenge. And particularly now that it looks like you're global. So that, glo <laughs> <laughs> right. that global, you know, you've got uh, a lot of international different kinds of structures and, uh, and things. So, wow, that's, a, that's great. Well, then tell me, uh, as you talk about the challenges um 
what is it that you see as the success, your most for successful uh, achievement so far? I guess getting the, 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 the new expanded uh, Prevair would be probably one of them. But what is uh, a successful uh, thing that you can talk about? Uh, give me that. Give me, tell me. Well, one of the things with franchising is you are actually selling your brand. So the goal is to make the business attractive enough that someone who is looking to buy a franchise mm-hmm. would look at your organization and say, yeah, I would buy that. Mm-hmm. I would buy mm-hmm. that. So for me, one, I had to put together the team to manage it. But on the flip side, you already have these existing franchisees who, like myself, bought in largely because you had UFG in the back, you know, in the back were, office. Right, right, right. But all of a sudden you got Mark. Yeah. You right. know, which <laughs> actually I went through class with many of these people uh-huh. just six months ago. And they're like, okay, so now you're the owner. You're the guy. Uh-huh. And there was already existing franchises, franchisees. So I had to reach out to everybody to make them confident enough to continue to go forward in a very positive way. Wow. And I, I did that and they saw my vision yeah. and they were willing to keep going. So, so it seems to me that one of your areas of success is this ability to get into this network, this web of success, other successful people and businesses and franchises. And when you're connected, that also reflects on you. But I guess also the idea of your brand that you have been successful with branding, right? I mean, talk to me about that, uh, what that looks like for you and how that has, has come about. Well, part of the challenge with Prevere is when the brand started, it was ROI, as in return on investments. Uh-huh. So some of the initial purchasers had bought it under that name. Uh-huh. And that shook them up a little bit when okay. they changed it to Prevere because ROI makes sense. But the reason they changed it is because of something they call sub sub engine optimization. Okay. Or, uh, <laughs> where you make your organization pop up at the top on Google when people search you. Uh-huh. SEO is what they call okay. it. So ROI being a common business term, the organization just couldn't get to the top. So they changed the name to Prevere. So some of the people were going, well, Prevere, what is that? Yeah. You know, I never heard of that. Yeah. And in these conversations with the franchisees, I said, look, McDonald's would be a bad name if you didn't know what it was, right? <laughs> so yeah. when they started off many years ago, they talked about, you know, they used to say a million sold and uh-huh. you would see it on their signs. And then they would say, your kind of place. Yeah. And now simply they say, ba da ba 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 And you know who it is. <laughs> yeah, so yeah. it's it's all about branding. Yeah, and yeah, we're yeah. really pushing. I mean, Prevere is not extremely prevalent in the market, but mm-hmm. that's the goal. And yeah. I need it for them to understand yeah. it's a process. Yeah. So one of the services that we do is uh, digital marketing. Mm-hmm. So right now, Prevere is... You know, it's, all it's over out the place. There. We're yeah. hitting it. Yeah. And yeah. people are starting to say, man, I keep seeing your name, this Prevere thing. What's mm-hmm. this Prevere thing? Right. So it's about building that brand and yeah. name recognition yeah. is, is critical. Yeah. Yeah. Well, tell me, how, uh, how do you see yourself 
uh, impacting other people's lives. What are what are some of the outcomes you're looking for uh, by what you do? That is actually the motivation. My okay. entire career has pretty much been in service. Okay. I work for government. I've actually been an elected official, and I wasn't a celebrity okay. elected <laughs> okay. official. I was okay. one of those people really believing that I needed to serve the community. Mm-hmm. And when I had started this business, it was really about helping small businesses level up. Mm. There are people out here. I met the first three clients I mentioned. Mm-hmm. It was three women. Two of them were right right around the $300,000, $400,000 range mm-hmm. in revenues, and the other one was about one point two. Okay. And my whole goal was to help them level up, make them bankable, yeah. uh, put them in a position to really build their business mm-hmm. through the resources that we offer. Mm-hmm. Because for me to help people, and I've been doing it for years, help them have better business outcomes is very important for the community okay. because these small businesses are the drivers of the economy. They are yeah. the ones who hire people yeah. and make jobs happen. Yeah. And because of the exposure I've had, yeah. you know, in my positions, I know a lot okay. and I, I meet people in business and simple tax things that mm-hmm. you should, I know. Yeah. They don't know. Yeah, they just right, don't know. Right, they know right. how to do what they do. Right. And then their taxes and their financial structures or their HR are not in place. Mm. So we firm up that organization to make them stronger and build them up. Oh, and that's take that, them where they need to go. That's great. That's what, because the need is so it's so great. I mean, for that kind of information. So it's important to be able to identify um people and that's you <laughs> who have the intellectual resource to be able to help people get further there to flourish right and uh that's so important so that's great good for you talk to me a little bit about the book that you have recently uh, uh published and i see you have a copy of it here <laughs> if you, you can hold it up so our audience can see it so it's called the gift so yes. talk to talk to me a little bit about what is it that you are doing with this particular book? Okay, so the complete title of the book is The Gift, The Essential Guide to Money and Investments for Women. And the background of this book is a conversation I had with my sister many years ago. Okay, I was going to ask you why why women and not, <laughs> yeah. and not everybody. Okay. Yeah, and I, okay. I, clear, it's not man speak. It's, <laughs> okay. uh, it's really a purpose. Okay. And it's been well received, so that's okay. great. Yeah. But my, my sister is this high-level educator. Okay. I mean, she's one of the best in the country. Mm-hmm. She's always been very successful. She's actually seven years older than me. So for my success, I attributed it to just doing what she did. Okay. I would kind of okay. watch what she, okay, she went to college. Okay. okay. She got her master's. She did it. So I just kind of followed her. Mm-hmm. But I had I started working as a financial advisor, and she was one of the first piece, people I went to to sell the service. Okay. This was actually the first appointment I went with went on without my manager. Wow. Because okay. he was so busy. I'm like, well, I got to get busy, man. Uh-huh. So it was hard to schedule. So I said, I'll just go see my sister. So I sat down with her and I said, so tell me about your portfolio, your investment portfolio. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I know investment portfolio. I said, well, why not? She said, well, I don't know anything about investing. I said, well, why not a financial advisor? She said, well, I don't know who to trust, what questions to ask. So I just, you know, keep the money in my bank and the pension plan, you know. Mm-hmm. So I thought, I said, wow, I mean, my sister is extremely smart, extremely successful. 
are there other women out there like that? So I started to do the research. It's plenty. I mean, I'm talking about mayors, CEOs of major organizations, women from all walks of life who just did not understand it. And that's not to say that all men do either. Right, right, But I right. saw this need there, right. and that was my motivation. Okay, so that niche of, of women was, was real because they just don't have that, kind, a lot of them, connection into that world. Yeah, And I did interviews with probably at least a thousand women over the, the process, some online, some in person. Okay. And you, you would hear stories of where the father would teach the sons and wouldn't teach mm. the daughters. Or there's some women who would say, well, I always just thought that the man would take care of it. And, and of course there are women who are all over it. Mm -hmm. So they, mm -hmm. they're all across the spectrum, but it really fit a niche. And one of the things that was prevalent in the conversations that people would say, I don't want a textbook type investment book. So this book is stories of real life women mm -hmm. of what happened in their lives. It's broken down basically in a single married divorce. And there's reasons for that mm -hmm. in the investment world. And most women fly through at least the first hundred pages, which is the stories. Then it gets into investment terms, investment strategies. And there's a step-by-step -step approach mm -hmm. that if you go through that, you will be financially secure. But every time I tell that story about women prefer a story, invariably there's a woman in the audience say, not me, but I mean, <laughs> I like those kind of books and that's fine. Yeah, but, yeah. you know, in large, yeah. the women like the stories. Sure. And there's, some of them are very compelling because you've had people who were widowed or, mm -hmm. you know, divorced and devastated mm -hmm. financially. And people see themselves or their friends in these stories and they're able to relate yeah. to it. Well, I, I do think men can learn from that that's book correct. as well. Absolutely. So, <laughs> so I, that's on my, I'm putting that on my list. That <laughs> So there's, so yeah. the next book is finished, but it's not published yet. So, okay. So that one is about closing the wealth gap. And it okay. really talks about there's basically five steps I've identified to make you wealthy. If you do these things, you okay. could become wealthy. And wow. it should hit the market about February. Okay. Well, I will be looking forward <laughs> to getting that as well. Um, so in this uh, book, The Gift, and particularly looking at women, um, was there any stories that just really stood out to you that you said, wow, it couldn't have come for at a better time, this, this message. Well, there was one that was, it was a heartbreaking story. There was a woman that was referred to me. She called me and said, you know, I heard you're a smart guy and you could help people out. And I go to her house. We do what you call a kitchen table mm -hmm, conversation. Mm -hmm. And she tells me, she starts off the story. She said, my husband worked for, uh, LTV, which is a large steel company, mm -hmm. or used to be anyway. And he worked there for 35 years and he retired and he died like within 30 days of retiring. Wow. She was an LPN who, I'm sorry, RN who mm -hmm. had her own career, but had just had cancer. She came out the hospital and realizes that her husband, when he signed up for his retirement, he chose an option where it only covered him. 
Because when you choose that option, it covers you, but you get more money. You could do a joint where your wife and you would be covered. Mm -hmm. And when you die, she gets some of it, but you get a smaller amount on a monthly basis. So he was looking, I guess, not anticipating that he would pass at getting a larger amount. So here's this woman whose husband had worked 35 years and had this large pension that went away within 30 days. And she was marked. I'm about to be homeless because wow. I wasn't able to work for, you know, several months due to my illness. The money from my husband's pension is no longer coming in and we're in a bad place. Wow. The unfortunate part is I, there was nothing that right. could be done. You know, everything oh, wow. was above board and you have to have those conversations mm -hmm. Uh, in your marriage. And I, I tell women all the time because some will say, well, that financial stuff, I don't want to be involved. Mm -hmm. And I tell them, and it's in the book that if you have tax advisors or financial advisors, you want to make sure that you sit down with them and your husband at least once a year or every two years, mm -hmm. even, even if it's just to give the appearance, right that you know what's going on yeah. because there was another story of a, a successful estate attorney and they deal with people who die mm -hmm. and passing on the money, mm -hmm. Harvard educated lawyer. And he ran for a political office. Come to find out he hadn't been paying his taxes because when you run for office, sometimes things <laughs> come out. <laughs> okay. So he hadn't been paying his taxes. So he had been married for 32 years, they had raised two successful children. Both went to Ivy League schools. They had been in the same house. They found out that he hadn't been paying the mortgage either. So this couple who had been solid for years end up divorcing and they end up losing their house. But she had no idea because she had just kind of let him let do him it, handle it. Yeah. without, you know, inner interacting and I just recommend sit at the table every once in a while mm -hmm. because you need to know yeah. what's going on just, yeah. just to get it from a third party. Yeah. You know, I wonder why that is that there's not more women that are engaged with their, their spouses on that. Uh, is there, I mean, do they just trust that everything will be okay or, or just in, are they indifferent to? I don't. I mean, I'm just curious as to if your work has also looked at motivation behind this lack of interest or engagement in that. Well, some of it is indoctrination because okay. historically, women have not been taught and educated in those areas sometimes by their parents because again there's still a contingent out here who believe that that's the man's mm, the man's yeah, thing yeah you know he's going to take care of the money kind of the patriarchal uh perspective yeah, yeah and then mm -hmm. there's a lot of people who just don't like money and finance mm -hmm. from you know looking at the numbers and looking at financial statements and that type mm -hmm. of thing i've mm -hmm taught accounting for years and some people just like it's just that class we have to take yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah, right. to get this business degree yeah. so they just don't like mm -hmm. the numbers mm -hmm. so it's easy to say well if you got this I won't worry about that yeah yeah mm -hmm. wow wow well that's it why well, I, I would encourage our listeners to to buy the book again it's called gift and it's uh the subheading of it is what 
The Essential Guide to Money and Investments for Women. For Women, Essential Guide for Money Investments for Women. But some men need this as well. So we will we will also look at getting it. Is it okay if I have a word of prayer with you before we leave? Absolutely. Okay, let's pray. Eternal God, I am so grateful that you uh, have gifted uh, individuals with, with knowledge and wisdom to be able to help uh, level up those who are involved in this area of business, the, their life, their whole life that sometimes they don't know. And we are so thankful that you have people in place that can be guides, that can give direction. And we thank you for that. I thank you for um, Mr. Parks. I thank you that you have blessed him. And I pray for the success, continual success of Prevere the, and how you've already opened up the windows of heaven on that business, on that franchise. So we pray, oh God, that you will continue to bless. And we thank you, oh God, for what he's doing and how he's making a difference in so many people's lives. We pray that you will continue to bless him as he goes forward for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Well, brother, amen. I want to thank we uh, like to leave something with our guests. We have these tumblers that actually have the name Power to be okay. our brand. All right. <laughs> <laughs> so that you, we want to present that to you. I appreciate and it. So that every time you see that, you will think of the Power to Be show. Thank you for being our guest today. You're welcome. Well, it's good. I've enjoyed you. Audience, we thank you for being with us for another Power to Be show. I hope that you have enjoyed, as much as I have, our guest today. Join us next week on the Power to Be show. We would like to thank this episode's sponsor, Living Word Christian Community, located at 2390 South Military Trail, West Palm Beach, Florida, 33415, where Dr. Terrell Bird is the lead pastor. The worship service begins at 10.30 a.m. in person, on Facebook, and Instagram Live.